HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hey, road trippers, you have indeed reached Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits in rural Mexico. But before we can take off on this week's road trip, we need to fill up the tank, which is code for pay the bills, which is code for run the commercials for the folks who are enabling us to go on these agave road trips. So sit back and Chava and I will circle back to you in a second. Are you a business owner? This spring, amplify your business and support HRN's mission by becoming a business member. HRN is dedicated to spotlighting small businesses that keep our communities vibrant. With a $500 business membership, HRN can shine a light on your work and you can help sustain our mission to transform the way people think about food. As a thank you for this tax-deductible donation, your business will receive on-air mentions, social media posts, listings on our website, and more. You will also play an essential role in keeping nonprofit food radio on the air. Go to heritageradionetwork.org biz to become a business member today. That's heritageradionetwork.org B-I-Z. Zapotitlan de Vidio is a community of some 6,000 people in south-central Jalisco. There is a long and strong history in this community of traditional agriculture, what's now being called regenerative farming. But that history is at risk of disappearing. Sacred is supporting the build of a 4,000-square-foot public library in this community. The focus of the library will be regenerative farming, with a large portion of the collection being selected by local vinateros, Sacred is both humbled and proud to be able to help support the future of regenerative agriculture in Zapotitlan de Vaidio, and it's all made possible by a grant from 818 Tequila. To learn more about this library and the other projects 818 Tequila is funding, please visit us at sacred.mx. That's sacred.mx. The earth is home to all of us, and we're honored to have been selected by 818 Tequila as their partner in making it a more welcoming home. I am Lou 
Bank. I am Chava Perivan. And I'm Ryan Acock, the Cocktail MD. And this is Agave Road Trip, the critically acclaimed award-winning podcast that helps Green Gex bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits in rural Mexico. And today we have, we have Cocktail MD in the house. Cocktail MD, Ryan Acock. Yes, and because we don't have an open line for road trippers to call into the show, I myself have to do all the experiments on myself. So if anybody uh, wants to call me, feel free. No, don't do that, guys. You might be scarred for life. So uh, I happened to go to a wedding uh, a few days ago. Well, actually, like a week ago. It lasted three days. It was insane. Unfortunately, the mezcal was not great, but I did a pit stop at Hapo before that. So I had with myself four liters of raicilla. As you can all imagine, it went great. I had a lot of fun. But then when I came home, I had the most horrifying flu. And it lasted. And you're sure? Wait, hang on a second. I don't oh. know if you're aware of this, Java, but we're, <laughs> we're living in the middle of a pan. Maybe not the middle, but we're somewhere in a pandemic. Are you sure it was the flu? I, I, you know, like these days, that's so hard to to grasp because I did have we, an. We have, a, we have a doctor. He might have some <laughs> yeah. ideas about uh, whether or not you had the flu or you had COVID. Well, I took my antigen test. I took two of those, and both of them came back negative. And according to the symptoms I had and the very careful research I did on the internet, it all seemed that it was uh, more a case of very intense flu. But hang was- on, hang on. No, I want the professional <laughs> oh, opinion. Lord. Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, so antigen uh, testing is not very good if it's a negative test. <laughs> so you, in that case, you need the PCR send out that takes three days to come back. The antigen testing is really only good if it's positive. Then, yes, you have the disease, but if it's negative, that doesn't help you. Oh, Lord. Breaking my heart. Starting with this, Ryan. I thought it was going to take a little bit longer for you to break my heart. But anyways, uh, I came back, had terrible flu, maybe COVID. And um, it's been miserable for for a long time now. It's been like six, seven days, and I've been not in my right state of mind. So yesterday, I decided to take matters into my own hands. And because every time you ask a mescalero, what do you do to fight the flu? I went and had four <laughs> shots of mezcal at my local mezcaleria. Okay, and, uh, this is the perfect episode to have Ryan on. And uh, I'm here to confirm that I am not feeling that great this morning. Uh, it seems like the flu did not recede with my four shots of mezcal. So uh, what did I do wrong? Um, right? <laughs> because this is popular knowledge. Alcohol fights the flu, right? Yeah, that's something I used to hear in college a lot is, is that you couldn't, if people were all sharing from the same whiskey bottle, they couldn't possibly spread germs amongst each other because the alcohol content was so high that it would kill off all the bacteria. And, Absolutely. Yes, that's right. Right. And, and I don't think that's unfortunately very true. So even hand sanitizer here in the United States has a certain threshold it has to be 60 or 65 percent alcohol by volume just to qualify as hand sanitizer. So that 40 percent alcohol by volume whiskey might not be enough to kill <laughs> off everything. All right. But, but what if it's mezcal, then higher ABB? No, I'm just messing with you. But then this theory about using alcohol to fight the flu, does it have any... Uh, I, like, I'm serious. Every mescalero you ever talk to... Yeah. Any yeah, basis in fact. Yeah. 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 Well, so alcohol definitely kills off germs. That That is something that we've known for a while, which is why we use alcohol-based hand sanitizers like Perel, and that's why they're so popular. So yes, alcohol will kill germs on surfaces. But you have to remember, you're drinking alcohol, so maybe you can kill some germs on your tongue, 
But once it starts <laughs> distributing into your bloodstream, the actual amount of alcohol in your bloodstream is going to drop pretty quickly just by the volume of your body. Oh. So, okay, uh. if, if, if we look back to, I, I want to say it's the 18, like the late 1800s where you had snake oil salesmen who were basically running around selling patent medicines that really were just alcohol. Like what, what Chava's talking about with Mescalero's uh, claiming that taking four shots of, I think it's normally puntas, but maybe it's just any old mezcal, um, taking four shots will cure you of a cold or the flu or whatever. Clearly, like, that comes from somewhere. Yeah, so <laughs> it, it probably is a variety of things. So one, you're probably drunk and you don't care that you're sick. <laughs> Okay. That, that, that's what happened to me for a very brief, beautiful moment. Which, which is usually an answer to a lot of things with alcohol is, is you're drunk and you're asleep, so you don't care. Yeah, so, yep, that, that makes sense. And then a lot of it also has to come with what is in your particular alcoholic beverage. So we'll talk about gin and Geneva during this episode that has a long history of being sold as this is healthy for you and this will cure all sorts of disease. And that's because of the juniper that came within gin and Geneva. Hmm. So juniper, which are the properties of, of, well, I mean, we're already talking about it. So I, I, I guess it's a, I already have questions. Yeah. Shall we jump into it right away? Sure. So if you, yeah. if you were to build a time machine and go all the way back to ancient Egypt, back into the 16th century BC, you're going to find that a paper comes out called the Evers Papyrus. And it's a combination of medical text that's been, that's been collected over the course of many hundreds, possibly even a thousand years. And so this Everest Papyrus talks about lots of things. It talks about the god Isis, and it talks about the healing properties of poppy and wormwood, but it also talks about juniper and, and said that if you were to mix juniper with things like wormwood, poppy, and coriander, and honey, you'd have a headache remedy. And so... Mm. Well, I, wait, poppy as in poppy used for heroin? Yes, yes. So if you're oh. getting any kind of benefit, it probably is the opiates that are in poppy <laughs> yes, rather than like... anything else. <laughs> But that was, that was the earliest text I could find that specifically mentioned juniper as some kind of cure-all. And then that just keeps going on. So the ancient Greeks used to talk about using juniper to, to, treat, to treat leprosy and snake bites. And then you had Pliny the Elder, who was an ancient Roman, who in, in uh, the year 77 AD wrote a book talking about using juniper to, to treat stomach pain and chest pain and cough and discharge from the eyes and diseases of the uterus and sciatica. So you kind of just keep spiraling down that juniper becomes this kind of catch-all for everything that you can imagine. And one of the nice things about before the FDA came along here in the United States, you could really claim just about whatever you wanted to and put it on the side of a bottle. And, and that was just the truth. So here's mm. your tonic. It cures everything. But but there, there is some sort of truth behind the like dissolving the actives of plants into alcohol, right? That there are a bunch of, I mean, I don't know the specific true properties of juniper, but I think that it's reasonable to say that juniper does have some properties that help with something. And by diluting that plant into alcohol, you might get some of the benefits. Is that any way correct or I'm absolutely crazy? Maybe. So for all of human history, all of our medications have come from plants. And, and you look at the mm. original medications like penicillin and aspirin, for example, all that stuff came from plants. So yes, there is some truth to getting bark or some kind of fungus that you use then to make medicine out of. And whether you take it directly from grinding up the fungus as using penicillin or whether you extract it in a high-proof alcohol, Sure, absolutely. You can't. There is some truth to that. Now, well, like tinctures, right? Tinctures are a big thing right now in uh, 
what so-called alternative medicine. Yeah. So, it, yeah, yeah. Just the essential <laughs> oils crowd. That's right. Uh, no, no, no. But tinctures in in the sense of taking the plants and uh, leaving them to uh, to dilute with alcohol for a long time, and then taking the the result of that and and using it to treat headaches or you know like very simple things. Uh, is is there anything? there or or is just uh, really smart marketing i think a lot of it has to do more with marketing so any kind of medication so you think of like penicillin for example it's greatly amplified from what you would find mm. in nature just by going and foraging for mushrooms and part of that is also a safety and quality control initiative so again here in the united states none of that none of the alternative medicine is fact checked so if mm. you say my can of tincture contains wormwood in it. It may not contain wormwood in it, and there's no one who's going to check to make sure that it does. But oh. but if I hear you correctly, Ryan, you're also saying that it could, right? So if 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 these claims about juniper are accurate, that there's some kind of medicinal property to juniper, and you actually use juniper and you extract some of those medicinal properties into a high proof alcohol. Um, if I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying that that could have health benefits. So could, but you also have to weigh the, the benefit versus the risk of I'm going to drink lots of alcohol. So if there was, there's any truth to juniper being so healthy that it treats headaches and flatulence and uterus pain, for example, then we could just drink gin and all of a sudden your period cramps would go away, your headache would go away, all of your gas would go away. So and that's clearly not the case. Well, I, I, and I get that, but, you know, it's... Uh, yeah, 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 well, what's happening? But, but the, like the, in, in, what I'm thinking here is, okay, but that's gin. That's not a strict... You know, I'm not a guy who uses these extracts. I don't hear this. I'm literally trying to understand the truth of this, Ryan. If you actually used high proof alcohol and just strictly extracted um, the, the medicinal properties of juniper um, with good organic juniper, that could or could not be healthful. Okay. No, like, like I, like I think what, and correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan, but what what I'm understanding is that you're saying. Yes, but how much alcohol do you have to drink in order to have a concentration of juniper that it's actually going to have any effect on you? So right. maybe the amount of alcohol that you're consuming, it's uh, the, the trade-off, it's so, it, it, it doesn't quite balance because most medicines, as, as Ryan is saying, are amplified from what you can find in nature. So how much juniper in its original natural form do you have to consume for it to have an actual effect? And then how much alcohol comes with that if you're diluting that in alcohol. Yeah, and part of the other thing is a lot of the claims that come about of saying something is healthy comes from either testing on Petri dishes with some cells like bacteria cells in there, or occasionally you might get testing on rats. And so it's a, it's a big leap from saying we tested something on a Petri dish and now all of a sudden it's going to be healthy in humans. So Lou, a while back, you sent me an article that talked about capsaicin being used as an antimicrobial. And in a couple of articles I found, it talked about researchers put some kind of bacteria on an auger plate. So for example, putting strep throat on an auger plate and then adding capsaicin to it and watching that all the strep died. And so the, the researchers concluded that capsaicin kills strep. Yes, 
under that circumstance. But I, as a physician, do not treat Petri dishes. I treat people. And so I have a hard time saying that I can take capsaicin and have people start ingesting it, and that's going to cure them of their strep throat. Because how did that capsaicin work in the Petri dish? Was it direct contact on the strep? Mm -hmm. Okay, that strep throat is not sitting just on the tonsil surface. It's also inside the tonsils Uh. and the soft tissue. And so now you've got to do a clinical trial of people ingesting peppers or capsaicin cream or something that they're getting that capsaicin in their bodies and then compare that to a control group that's not getting capsaicin and see how many people are cured of their strep throat. So it's a big leap to say something is healthy because we saw it in a laboratory condition versus something is healthy because we've actually tested this in humans. So what we're saying then is... The mescaleros are wrong. Wait, wait, and and this, Ryan, you might not be uh, as aware of this as, as we are, but this might be the episode that effectively shuts down a guy road trip because of how <laughs> much hate mail we're gonna get. Because every mescal book, every like uh, comprehensive compendium of understanding mescal has a chapter called mescal as medicine, and it always argues. That And I mean, we, I have a small collection of those. It argues that mescaleros put different plants that have different actives in there. They dilute them into mescal and they use it to treat many things in their lives, right? From heart arrhythmias to stomach pains to headaches to all sorts of things. So what you're telling us is that maybe they just, uh, they're, they're using alcohol not to feel that miserable when they're sick. And in order to sort of turbo boost that in their imagination, they're adding some plants to it. And that effectively doesn't have a lot of consequences on their health, but the plant, absent the plant, they could just drink the mezcal. Yeah. And, and so there's also a difference between feeling better because I took something that made me feel better versus curing disease. Mm. And that's kind of the whole tinctures of heroin that people used to use back in the 19th century is, yeah, you can, you can take heroin for anything. And there are some things that heroin will cure, like it will stop you from coughing, so it will cure a cough, but it will make you feel better. And that's what, that's what opiates do. This is not an endorsement for heroin as cough medicine. Keep going. Sorry. Well, actually it is because so you can prescribe. This is not an endorsement of heroin as cough medicine, Ryan. Are you crazy? You can, so a doctor can prescribe both Dilaudid or codeine as cough suppressants. Now, they've, they've really fallen out of favor because of the opiate <laughs> epidemic, but those are still both available, FDA-approved medications for cough syrup. Oh, Lord. I love this so much. Oh, this is taking Lord. us in such a crazy route. But I'm going to have to go look at our insurance policies. <laughs> okay. but So, I, I mean, we're, we're getting close to the end of this episode, and like Ryan, just just to be absolute, because I think the conclusion we have right now is like, nah, th- th- there's not. This theory doesn't have fit. Is there any chance, any possible way, in which diluting plants into alcohol could have any medicinal uh, potential? Is there anything that you can think of of like, mm, like just? this could possibly work in some capacity beyond just getting drunk and feeling better because you're, you're drunk. Yeah, and, and original cough syrups did have lots of alcohol in them, and whether that was used as part of the extraction process, sure, maybe. So, yes, there is some truth. I'm, I'm sure that there are some people who feel better for their cough or their headache or whatever by taking some kind of plant 
that's been extracted in alcohol. The problem is with all of that is it is untested in a clinical trial. And so maybe that's the best I can give you, both okay. of you. Is that, I'm okay with that maybe. Maybe there might be maybe. some truth to that, <laughs> but it's never been fully validated in a clinical trial. And that's my problem with a lot of these claims of saying this cures whatever ailment I have is that sure, maybe, but I can't prove that. And, and, and I know you want to wrap this, Chava, but um, okay, I'd kind of like go. to look at it from the other side. Is is it possible, and just a quick answer to this, Ryan, but is it possible that that Chava um, caused his flu or COVID or whatever to uh, hang with him longer I, by drinking the mezcal? Oh, I hate you so much for asking oh, this. Oh, yes. There's, <laughs> so there's a real problem with alcoholics and oh, you're no. getting having compromised immune system from drinking so much alcohol for such a long period of time. So maybe they, it could have been made worse, but I don't want to say that Chava is an alcoholic who drinks too much and compromised his immune <laughs> Please system. Please don't. My mother <laughs> might learn English and listen to this. Uh, Jesus. No, but, so, but, it, but it's unlikely, that it, unless he's really consuming a ton, it's yeah. unlikely that that would compromise his immune system and cause him to be sick longer. Yeah, I don't, I don't think the getting, uh, drinking the mezcal had one benefit or negative effect on your having COVID or flu. It's just you had the disease. You drank something that that maybe made you feel better temporarily because it had alcohol in it, but that's really it. Hey, I'm, I'm cool with that. No damage yeah. done. I didn't. Even, I, like I, I don't even feel hangover today, so it was the best of both worlds. <laughs> I, I like this conclusion. I think we can wrap now. Okay. Well, Ryan, Senorito Lou, always a pleasure. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> Catch you soon. This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lou Bank and Chava Peribán. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. Agave Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc. Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the food world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network can drive you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If it drives you to drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly, eat responsibly too, and listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive or walk. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to get up and stretch every 30 minutes. If you get up and stretch every 30 minutes, do not stretch beyond your abilities. Stay within your defined stretching capacity and consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you do not have a doctor, listen to all the shows on the Heritage Radio Network. There has to be at least one doctor among the Heritage Radio Network podcast hosts. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip out.